Our Old Testament scripture reading is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 to 8. We'll also have a New Testament scripture reading, and that will be taken from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 to 8. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering and take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What of a nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way that the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what of a nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, on the streets, street corners, and seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Amen. Thanks, Basil, uh, for reading for us. And let me add my welcome. Uh, those of you in the building, uh, those of you joining with us at home, it's, it's great to have you uh, with us today. Keep your, keep your Bible open if you've got one there on this reading from Matthew 6 as we come to, to look at that. If you've got a Bible or it's on an app or something like that as we come to look at these words. Uh, and let me lead us in a prayer uh, as we, we do that. Oh, Lord God, um, it is a great joy to gather and to hear you speak to us because you are a God and you've made us your people in Jesus. And we ask, Heavenly Father, as we hear your word, that you would fill our hearts with the love of the Lord Jesus in the power of your Holy Spirit so that we would not only believe what he says, but we would love to trust and follow him. And we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Um, I'm not sure where you would go to for uh, little quotes on the meaning of life. Uh, one place you could go to is the, is the renowned actor, uh, bodybuilder, and philosopher Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, in many ways a role model to me with my own uh, physical shape, not really. Um, but he, here's what he said, uh, the meaning of life. The meaning of life is not simply to exist, to survive, but to move ahead, to go up 
to achieve, to conquer. And in many ways, he's right, isn't he? There's some truth in that in, in various areas of life. You're on a rowing team, or you're building a business, or you're playing football with your mates. You're not there just to survive. You want to conquer. You want to achieve. You, you want to go up in, in some ways. But no matter how successful you are in life, at some point, life pushes back. And you begin to realize, never mind conquering, uh, there's coming a point when even existing begins to look like it's, it's starting to move out of reach. And if you're aware of that at all, if you're aware of that in life, like whether you're a Christian this morning, or maybe you're, you're here watching and, and you're not a Christian yet, if you're aware of that sense in life, then Jesus' words here in the Sermon on the Mount, they, they will speak into that. If you've been with us as we've gone through this sermon, it, you remember Jesus has been, he's been kind of reorientating our view of life in this world that is often sad. And he's been saying to us, look, ultimately that, that sadness is caused by our, our sin and our turning from God. But God has done something to begin to, to reverse that. He, he's the one who is creating the real new normal, bringing his kingdom that will bring new life, lasting life, that won't end, will have no more sadness. But he's been saying to us in this sermon, look, this, this kingdom, you, you can't conquer your way into it. It doesn't work like that. No, he said back in chapter 5 in verse 3, he said it was a gift. It's given to the poor in spirit. Uh, to those who know they've got nothing really to bargain with, with God, nothing to offer, nothing to show off with. It's a gift given to them. And he's been showing in this sermon how those on the inside, who, those who, who come into that, Christians, those who, who trust Jesus, should begin to change now with, with life received as gift, not something that's just grabbed. And he's mentioned lots of ways of living where we're not meant to do anymore. But if you were with us last week, Michael really helpfully began to show us some other things Jesus says. He, he's telling us about some spiritual things that we should do but could end up getting wrong. And one of them that we're looking at this morning is praying. Notice in verse 5 of chapter 6, Jesus assumes Christians will pray. He assumes when you pray. But here's the thing. He's saying it's possible to go at it in such a way that your prayers remain unheard and unanswered. It's quite a thought, isn't it? You and I could be, could be people praying to God and he'll say, I, I'm not going to listen. I won't listen to that. And to help explain, Jesus flags up two types of people whose approach to prayer we could drift into. The first group's there in verse 5. He refers to them as hypocrites. And the second group is there in verse 7. They're referred to in, in our translations as pagans. Hypocrites, the, the words in that day had the sense of an actor, someone playing a role. You get the sense of what they're doing. They're sort of religious pretending prayers. And the second group, pagans, some translations will have it as Gentiles, those who are outside of Israel. I guess you could think of them this way, maybe if it helps. They're, they're sort of the spiritually self-defining. They don't know this God and they, they make up their own views of God. And Jesus says, look, the, the hypocrites, they love praying. They'll do it in synagogues. They'll, they'll do it on the street corners. They're not embarrassed about it at all. And the reason they love it, end of verse 5, is 
to be seen by others. In their situation, is a way of looking impressive. Sounds weird, doesn't it? You can't imagine that today. You want to look impressive, go out onto a street corner and start praying out loud. But that's what's going on for them. The pagans, as they're called, they're a bit different. Hypocrites love praying. Pagans, it seems, think God loves prayers. So they go long. And the sense is a kind of mindless repetition. And their thinking seems to be this. Look, if God loves prayers and we pray longer, there's more chance he'll give us what we're asking. That's verse 7. You got it there in front of you. Jesus says, they think they'll be heard because of their many words. And Jesus seemed to be saying, you and I, we could, we could drift towards both of those approaches. Now, it's worth just worth thinking for a moment. The, the, the issue with the hypocrites is not really public prayer versus private prayer. It's, it's more to do with who do you want to notice you. With the pagans, it's not really so much short prayers versus long prayers, but, but why would God listen to you? Why would he answer you? And while they're different, just notice what the they have in common. We could think of it in, maybe in a way with this ladder that, that I've got here. I'm just going to pull this out, try and not do my back in. Think of it with this ladder. And I'll pop this arrow on, see if that's going to stick. Here's one I made earlier. There we go. Oh, think of it with this. Look, think, of, uh, think of prayers involving uh, a ladder between us and the things that we want to get. And see the way it works with these guys. The, the hypocrites and the, and the pagans, well, they think prayer's a way to move yourself up. It's a way to conquer. It's like the arrows pointing up. So uh, the hypocrites, if you like, each prayer they pray, they hear little comments and it makes them feel a little bit further up the ladder. Did you notice? Did you notice the theological words he used when he prayed? And they hear that, and they feel they've moved up a little bit. Or she was so passionate when she prayed, and they, they hear that, and it, it just moves them up a little bit. Or he speaks so clearly when he prays. We really love that, and it feels like they move up a little bit. Or, or I could listen to that Scottish accent all day when he prays. And they're right, and you hear that. It's delightful. And they just feel like they've moved up a little bit more. Uh, they love praying because it gets them noticed. That's what they love. And the pagans, well, they're a little bit different. But each long prayer they pray makes them feel that they've, they've moved up and they've got just a little bit closer to God. And so they can reach up and maybe just twist his arm pray long enough and he'll do what I want. Uh, they love praying because it's a way to get what they want. And you begin to see what's going on in the inside. At heart level for each of them, uh, they think prayer is a way to achieve either, well, your own praise or your own priorities, a way to move yourself up, to conquer. But if we've been listening to Jesus, he's been telling us something different about God's kingdom. He's been showing us a different way. Uh, the message of God's kingdom, the gospel, it flips all of that on its head because it's not about how we move up to God, is it? 
That, that's not what Jesus has been telling us. It's not about how we move up to God. That's impossible. We are so far from God in our sin and our turning from Him. We can't climb up to Him in any way. Now, the good news, it's not about how we move up to God. The, the good news of the gospel, and this is what's so delightful about it, it's about how God in Jesus has come down to us. Here's the thing we want to be clear about, isn't it? Prayer isn't a way. It isn't some way for you to move yourself up. It's a way to welcome the one who has come down to save you. The arrow is not pointing up, if you like, with prayer in a, in a fundamental way. No, the arrow is, because of the gospel, it, it's always pointing down. You, you even get a sense of it in that reading we had from the Old Testament that Basil read just a moment ago, what, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us? Whenever we pray to him, he comes down. For all their confident words, for all their long prayers, they, these guys that Jesus is talking about, they're on a ladder to nowhere because that's not where you find God. You don't get to them as a, a result of you trying to move up in some sort of impressive way. We know and trust a God who has come down to us. And that's why those kind of prayers, they, they always go unheard and unanswered. Self-promotion in some way or, or manipulation. Is Jesus right? Do you think it's possible for, for you and me to drift into prayers like that? I think it might be. You're asked to pray at the, the front of church or, or in a home group, and you feel the temptation, don't you? It can move from worry about what will others think of me on to uh, I hope they think well of me. Uh, and we can all have those feelings, but, but sometimes it just begins to go a little bit more, and it'd be awful to admit it, but both of those can be about performance, wanting to be thought well of. And that begins to dominate your thinking. And Jesus says, look, you can get a reward for that that will delight your heart, but it will leave your soul impoverished. Or it can become a bit disillusioned with the Christian life. I've prayed about something. I've really longed for it for years and years, and it's not happened. And I feel kind of fed up with God, because look, surely if I pray long enough, it should happen. This thing should be fixed or changed. And what might be creeping into my thinking is something like this. Look, surely more words equal getting what I want. Or it might even flip the other way. And because it's some level in my heart, I am someone who's concerned with my own praise and my own priorities. And actually, I live in an age where I don't think prayer will get me either of those things, my prayers and uh, my praise or priorities. And so there's very little desire to pray. In fact, I rarely pray. It's drifted out of my life. I wonder if that's why some of us find ourselves prayerless on our own not even wanting to join with others in praying. Our, our praying doesn't get going. And I think Jesus knows we can be tempted in those ways. And because he loves us, he wants to, to draw us back. Don't drift off in those ways. Come back to this. Lockdown 
Lockdown's been hard, hasn't it? I suspect it's been hard on many of us spiritually. We thought at our church meeting the other week, if you were there, that about asking God in, in this time to, to help us maybe recover in some way spiritually. How could we recover in our praying? As Jesus reminds us in a delightful way about the gospel, about a God who has come down to save us and bring us into his family. Uh, two brief things before we finish. Here's the first one. But begin to pray like a sinner who knows God's come to save them. don't know if you've heard the story about the reformer Martin Luther. Apparently, he said on one occasion, I, I have so much to do today, I had to spend the first three hours in prayer. I don't know how you feel when you hear that. It just kind of defeats me immediately. Busy, so I spent the first three hours in prayer. I, I'm told... Nobody really knows if he actually said that. It's a kind of apocryphal story. But here's something he, he really did say, and we've got, we've got it written down somewhere. He got an encouraging letter from his friend Philip. And Martin wrote back like this, Your high opinion of me shames me, since unfortunately I sit here like a fool and hardened in leisure, pray little, do not sigh for the church of God. In short, I should be ardent in spirit, but I am ardent in flesh, in lust, laziness, leisure, and sleepiness. Already eight days have passed in which I have written nothing, in which I have not prayed or studied. Martin Luther was a man who, who spoke highly of prayer, but as, as Mike Reeves in his, his little book on prayer points out, he was a real person. He was a sinner, and he struggled. And it's to real people like that, people like you and me, Jesus says, God has, God has come down to you. It's not because you made your way up to him. He's come down to you. Just have a look at verse 6 again that we, we read before. Jesus says this, look, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Oh, little ones, do you hear the kindness and love of the God who has become your Father in the Lord Jesus? He sees you. You go into a room by yourself, and he's there. He's with you to see you and to listen to you. You're not going up to him. He's come down to him. And if you, if you want to recover a good kind of praying, pray like a sinner who knows God's come to save them. Pray knowing that your big needs is always for the God who has come in Jesus. And if you, if you think that way, if you begin to feel that, you'll, you'll start praying more when, when there's no one else around to see you. And you'll start to pray the, the kind of honest prayers that sinners pray to a saving God. And they won't be showy-off prayers. Sometimes, will be the kind of prayers that come from a broken heart, but they will leave your soul rewarded with riches from, from the God and Father who sees you. Do you cultivate that time? 
that kind of time with God, whether you're 9 or 19 or you're 90, it, maybe you're, you're someone who's really young and you, maybe you're watching at home and you're, you're quite little and you're still at the stage where your parents still pray with you before you go to bed at night. And after they go, have another sneaky one. You have another sneaky one. He listens. He's there. He loves to hear you pray to him. And pray like a sinner who knows God's come to save them. And here's the, the second thing. Look, pray like a child who knows God's the Father, who really does care. I mean, this is what the, the pagans get wrong, isn't it? And if we're honest, we do too. They think that God loves prayers. It almost sounds, when you put it like that, as if he feeds off them, as if he needs them. Like God doesn't love prayers. And you know that by what Jesus says here, verse 8. He says, don't babble on in prayer, for your, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You see that word, Father, there. It comes all through the sermon. It's getting at it. It's God in Jesus. He adopts us into His family. He becomes our Father. God doesn't love prayer. He loves people. Prayer's the gift He's given for us to express our, our dependence on Him and to draw close on Him. God doesn't love you because you pray enough. It's because God has loved you in Jesus that He has given you prayer as a means to come to Him. It's hard sometimes, isn't it? We want changes that that don't come or don't seem to come very quickly, but we can't predict how God will answer specific prayers, and we, we can't twist his arm into doing things. But Jesus says, look, he, he really is the Father who, who knows our needs, and he has the, the perspective of our eternal goods in view. So pray trusting that he does care. Don't need to worry about getting all the words right. That's not the most important thing. He knows what we need. Are you feeling low spiritually at the moment? Has this time been kind of a low time for you? If you're honest, you begin to say, yeah, I feel quite dry, far away from God. Those times you can try and flip the arrow around, can't you? You can kind of think, oh, if I feel dry, it's me that's got to make the moves back up to God. That, that's not the way the gospel works. He, he's come down to us. You're feeling low spiritually. Is there a relationship at home or at school that's been a bit hard? Do you feel just fed up with yourself? Well, look, pray like a sinner who knows God has come to save them. He cares about you. That's the way the gospel works. And pray like a child who knows God's the Father, who really does care. Uh, let's stop there and maybe have a moment. The musicians are going to come back up to the front. Maybe have a moment, maybe in quiet, in your own heart. Maybe it's been a few days since you've been praying yourself. Why not have a moment just to talk to the Father that Jesus directs us towards? Bring what's on your mind and in your heart. Let's have a moment to do that.